Wondering how the trade war will affect your business and what you can do to mitigate your exposure? Check out Season 2, Episode 23, where Graham from Border Buddy and I talk about the industries that are affected and what you can do for your business to come out on top. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am so lucky to be able to talk about an industry I am so passionate about with so many amazing supply chain innovators, professionals, and leaders, including you, my listeners. And it's all thanks to you, my listeners. So thank you so much. This show is by a supply chain professional for supply chain professionals, and I want to feature you. So make sure to send me your supply chain stories, whether they be funny, but let's keep it clean, success stories, inspirational stories, motivational stories. We want to learn from each other. So make sure you send your supply chain stories to me, um, as well as your reviews um, to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Or for the reviews, you can go into your podcast app and submit the reviews there. And that actually helps other people to find this show. So thank you so much for all your submissions. And I cannot wait to feature you on the show. So today I'm talking to Eric Johnson. He's the Senior Editor of Technology at the Journal of Commerce. And we're talking about everything you need to know as it relates to technology in supply chain. Your biggest burning questions you have about technology in supply chain, we will be tackling it today. It seems like we all are here, all we're hearing about these days is technology this, blockchain that, but I want to know, as I'm sure you do too, which ones are the ones to watch, why they are the ones to watch, how they will help, and where are the tech guys sorry, tech gaps in supply chain. Eric Johnson is Senior Editor Technology at the Journal of Commerce, where he leads coverage and analysis of technology's impact on global logistics and trade. Johnson regularly reports on how shippers, carriers across all modes, and logistics companies use software, as well as new concepts impacting core freight transportation processes like procurement, execution, visibility, and payment. Johnson is a regular presenter and moderator at industry events and webinars. Prior to joining the JOC, Johnson spent 
13 years with American Shipper in a variety of roles, most recently covering the logistics, tech, landscape, and leading the production of a series of benchmark studies on the logistics industry. Johnson has a bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of Wisconsin and a master's degree in international business from the University of Leeds, UK. He has lived and worked in Southern California, the UK and India, but now resides in Washington, DC area. So welcome to the show, Eric. There is so much innovation and disruption happening in supply chain. It's hard to know where to look for most companies and supply chain professionals. So that means we have a lot to cover in our discussion today. So let's not waste another minute. Yeah, Sarah, really glad to be here. Although you said the you said the bad word, the D word, disruption. So uh, that's a that's not necessarily a word that le- uh, people in supply chain like to hear, but uh, it's certainly one they need to know about. So yeah, absolutely. Why is it not a word that they like to hear? Uh, well, it's had a, it's had a historically a very different connotation in you know sort of physical supply chains than it's had more recently in sort of technology conversations and technology disruption is a good thing. It means you're, you know, kind of get throwing away the old obsolete, uh, inefficient ways of doing things and thinking of new, better ways, uh, usually empowered by tech to do them in physical supply chains. It's been, Oh, it's a storm. It's a port strike. It's a container that fell off my vessel. It's uh, a production facility that shut down. So that's a bad word. So I think it's interesting you started off there because I think that word we almost on, on the tech side you almost need to jump that word because it's not a word that pe- that's going to sell people in supply chain on something that they want to have as silly as it and it may seem like semantics but I think it really is it kind of t- gets to the heart of how the tech world needs to be speaking the language of the supply chain logistics person. So that's, that's one. I think we, we hear transformation a lot more. And while that may seem a little bit more high-minded, uh, I, I think that speaks a little bit more to people than disruption. Because disruption is like I have to manage something. Transformation means it's, it's, some, it's helping me manage something. I love your take on that because there's not a lot of people out there that can really, you know, drill down to what disruption actually means the the logistics industry and you're right on the technology side it means something completely different and i was just going to say maybe it's that you know the word's been thrown around too too much but you've completely nailed it on the head with that so let's get into this you know what technology trends do you think will make the biggest impact in supply chain yeah, it's interesting. I, it's funny we're talking. I, I literally a couple days ago just did a, a really long-winded Twitter thread on on a topic that uh, I'm going to touch on in a second. For me, um, it's I think the thing that's probably going to make the most the biggest impact is is AI and machine learning. Um, that you can kind of group those into this bucket of super buzzworthy terms that a lot of people hear about and think they need to know about, but don't really completely understand. Um, but I, I'll talk in a second why I think it's, I think those are the ones that are going to make the biggest impact in the short to medium term. Everyone has been talking about blockchain over and over and over. It comes up in almost every conversation, uh, that and Amazon, uh, the, every conversation I've had for probably the last 18 months. But 
uh, for me, the thing that you need with blockchain, and, and I don't know if we're going to get to that later, is you, you need buy-in and you need cooperation and you need everyone sort of working in separate organizations working toward a common sort of platform or common goal. Um, AI and machine learning don't really require that. Um, they just sort of require... Uh, the software company or the 3PL that you're working with to sort of infuse those technologies sometimes into systems that you're already using. Sometimes it means, you know, updating to, to newer systems and changing out the ones that you have, but they, it shouldn't feel like a big kind of sea change within your organization to start using AI and machine learning. Um, and, and, you know, there's still a lot of maturity to be had within those those two disciplines, and we're nowhere near where we're going to be. But I think those are the one; those are the two technologies, or, or part of you know, same two sides of the same coin technologies that are going to actually be impactful for people because you're going to start to see uh, you know historical patterns turning more into predictive kind of suggestions, and you're going to start to see companies making decisions based on what an automated kind of guide or, or butler tells you um, to do. So to me, those are, the, those are interesting because they don't, uh, and we talked about disruption, they don't disrupt, they sort of enhance. Uh, I, I sort of think about this like, um, you know, people like when things just sort of get better, things they already have get better. So like when you move from one iPhone to another iPhone, what's really cool to me now is, Everything on my new iPhone is exactly where it was on the old iPhone. It's just I have a, it's just way faster and better and it's a better tool. So um, I, it's just got more horsepower. So I think those are the types of things that are going to be more adoptable and going to inject themselves into supply chains a lot quicker than some of you know, for instance, blockchain and uh, even like IoT, which require sort of an outside investment. They require maybe different systems than you're using today. Yeah, so we are going to get into blockchain a little bit later because I want to definitely touch on that with you. So the AI and the machine learning, I guess, is that because the trends that, you know, sort of I'm seeing in some of the articles that are out there are like warehouse robotics, autonomous booking platforms, sustainability, last mile virtual teams. Yeah. Um, and so these are some of the trends that people are talking about. The AI and machine learning, where does that sort of come into play in those type of trends? Yeah, I mean, I think it was DHL, for instance, to name a, you know, a big name, put, came out with a, a paper a few months ago about like where they saw um, AI kind of factoring into uh, tangible supply chain processes. And yeah, it, you know, Warehouses are kind of a, a natural fit because they're a closed system, um, more controllable than the outside crazy transportation world. Um, though I think I, for me, I, I tend to focus more on like what does a logistics manager or what does a, someone who's in charge of freight transportation, global freight transportation, what sort of processes are they dealing with that um, they need they need to either be automated or they need more guidance around better guidance around. So I, I think for me, those are the areas where I see a really interesting fit for, okay, I can plug in uh, all the data I have around how I procure um, space from my ocean carriers and my trucking companies. 
and I can have a, a, a system that's sitting sort of on top of my TMS, for instance, that is telling me a better way to work with those carriers. That to me is, is, is sort of, you know, one level of AI. The more autonomous kind of stuff is where, where AI is like actually guiding the, uh, um, guiding the whole process really. And, and, maybe taking people out of the equation. I think we're further away from that. You hear software companies um, talking about this, talking about a, a supply chain that sort of fixes itself. Um, I, I don't know. I think we're still a long ways away from there. And, and I, I don't know if any anyone right now who has a job in supply chain is actively trying to push that. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think... You know, areas where you can get to where where you're using the the number crunching capability. You you hear this term a lot. That logistics is not a uh, is not a human scale problem. It's a machine scale problem. Uh, I have a I don't know if you've interviewed Matt uh, Tillman at Haven. That's one of his favorite things to say. But uh, is you know so you have these problems with so many different variables and so many different changing variables non-repetitive variables and it's how can you how can you kind of get more efficient at crunching that stuff so that the human can actually make better decisions i think that's where ai and machine learning are going to factor in in the short to medium term maybe in 10 years we have you know we have these systems running their running supply chains in and of themselves but that's not that i I even think that's probably a little bit far-fetched at this point Right. But I also think that humans need to get out of our own way a little bit too, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the collaboration in the industry. And I, and I think that that's where the frustration for shippers, you know, comes from the most part is that it's so disjointed. No, you're absolutely right. Getting out of your own way is a great way of putting it. It's um, some of it, sometimes it's, it's sort of like muscle memory about how things are done and, and it seems weird to do something different. Sometimes it's a, visceral, you know, I don't want, I don't want a machine to start doing things that I'm doing or my people are doing because, um, you know, that, that has implications in terms of what my team looks like and my budget. And it's a huge change management process. Um, and then there's, yeah, then there's the, I wish, I wish I could talk better with my carriers or more productively with my carriers and my three PLs. Uh, but there's no real way to do it. And so I think you'll, you'll start to see, and this is getting a little bit away from what my, my point about AI not being too intrusive is, but you'll start to see, you know, systems kind of dictating the way companies interact better, um, as opposed to just listening to the human say how they should be interacting, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely does. But that's a good segue sort of into my next question. You know, what are the biggest risks facing supply chain leaders today? I guess since we're focusing on technology, let's let's focus on, on that side. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, and I think it's one that probably, every, if, they're, if people are not wrestling with, they should have it on the top of their like quarterly um, questions that they ask of themselves. Um, so a part of me thinks... Nothing that there that there are risks today that um, people are used to dealing with 
And the risks tomorrow will just be different, but they won't be greater or smaller. I mean, part of the job of a supply chain manager is to firefight, to you know, think of ways to get around some problem that happened in a far-flung location um, or with a, you know, a third party that you don't have a lot of control over. Um, so part of me is like, okay, you know, there's political issues, physical issues, psychological issues about getting stuff from A to B. So it will just be a new set of issues and, and the, the supply chain leaders will adapt to whatever those problems are. Um, but then there's another part of me that thinks, wow, uh, there's a lot of, you know, and this gets to what we were just talking about. There's a lot of pretty mundane and pretty rote stuff that people do right now. A lot of data entry, a lot of non-critical thinking kind of stuff. Um, and if there's automation to take that work away, uh, that creates a very different logistics department or supply chain team. Or if you're in trade compliance, it creates a very different look for your trade compliance team. Um, so from my perspective, the big risk is sort of not thinking about what your team will look like in two years and five years. I mean, five years, it's hard to think beyond that, but you know, how many people will be on it? Uh, how will your budget be cut? Will your budget be augmented? Um, if there's fewer people needed, you know, what do those numbers look like? Um, and then how will you as a leader, uh, need to interface with like your company's IT resources versus, you know, your interactions today might be mostly with your logistics team and then maybe, uh, you know, a, a, a executive team that you report into, maybe you're on that executive team, but, you know, I think more and more, especially as tech starts to become more pervasive in logistics, you're going to have to start as a leader, you're going to have to start thinking about what your interactions with IT resources, both inside and outside the company look like more than as much as you do kind of directing your own internal teams. And, you know, part of that is, are you going to outsource more of this to like a plug and play 3PL or a consultant? Um, Are you going to, or go with like a managed service kind of software arrangement? Um, Or are you going to, you know, or, or do these technologies help you get more proficient internally, but you still need less people? And, you know, so what does, what does your team look like? And, of course, it's not all the same for every company, um, so I can't give a prescriptive answer right now for ev- everyone who's listening, but it's a question you, sh- you really need to ask yourself. Like, what is your team now? What will it look like in a year and five years based on where tech is going and how it influences your, your part of the world? Yeah, I completely agree. On, and it's, it's more like a people management um, mm-hmm. type role because the jobs aren't necessarily going to be eliminated. They're just going to be changing. Mm -hmm. And what that team looks like and what their functions are and what they're overseeing or or doing on a day-to-day basis are definitely going to be changing. And, you know, trying to anticipate those changes um, and dealing with the mindset of the team as well to say, hey, you know, the innovation isn't going to take you out. It's just going to change your job. Um, and trying to help manage that and and make sure that everybody feels comfortable, you know, with, with those changes and what's coming down the line. But one of the risks that I was kind of thinking about when we were going into this, um, interview was, you know, what about taking time to look at all the new innovations, maybe not optimizing the opportunity or maybe even falling behind because you don't have enough time. And that's kind of, it also goes into sort of changing the team and what they do. You know, you need to have somebody on the pulse, 
you know, taking a look at the new innovations, having the time to be able to look through it and see how it's going to help your business and how you can optimize those opportunities. Yeah, no, I I think we talked about that in a discussion, you know, a while back. You're absolutely right. This is something I'm glad you brought this up because this is something I think about a lot. I I mean, one of the things I think about is my role uh, in in what I do. I, I, I write articles. I, you know, speak at events. I do a whole bunch of things, but I, I think of what we do is helping people kind of synthesize a huge amount of information to guide them and help them look at what they need to be looking at. But to your point, there is a lot of work to be done to keep track of the different tech landscapes, both at large and then the individual companies within them. Uh, in order to keep your company kind of current and whether that's like, you know, you see a lot of companies now with sort of chief innovation officers. Um, it may not be, need to be a C level position. It could be like a team someone within your team who spends a certain percentage of their day, just researching technologies that may or may not help that the, you know, the company. So I agree. I, I that's a huge part of this. And the way, maybe the way this, this shakes out is, you know, you as a, a, a leader at your company, maybe you're dictating less to your employees, like plan this transportation route, uh, fix this problem. And maybe it's more like sitting around a lot of more sitting around a table thinking of, of ideas and letting, you know, a system kind of manage that stuff that's not all that, you know, mind bending. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, regularly sitting down and saying, hey, are, are we up to speed on who the, not just who our competition is, but who the competition to the systems we're using are. And so it's, it's, it's very complicated, but it's all about having time and resources to do it. And, and that's something I don't think a lot, to your point, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. Everyone's thinking about, oh, automation is going to kill jobs. Well, no, automation is going to, you know, push people into, things where they're thinking more and doing, you know, kind of mindless stuff less. And that's, this is one of them is keeping, keeping pace with the next innovation in tech. Absolutely. And that takes me into the next one, man, we're on, we're on a roll with these segues. Segues. (laughs) It's the key and it's key in these things. (laughs) So what new innovations should supply chain professionals take a look at now that will bring the most benefit to their organization. Because just like you, I try to use this platform and this show to be able to put new innovation in front of supply chain professionals so that they can have the ear to the ground and know what is coming, what is out there for different parts of their supply chain Mm -hmm. and how it can benefit them. So I'd like to know from, from your perspective, um, you know, what that looks like and what they should really be um, taking a look at and maybe some companies. Yeah. um, Well, so I'm flabbergasted by the number of companies that that are, you know, starting up uh, tech logistics tech, uh, you know, entities these days. Uh, So there's like no shortage of things that people could be looking at. I want to like, let me drill this down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I mentioned AI, machine learning. I think those are really interesting. If you, you know, are looking at things that can be really powerful and are not very disruptive, I think that's an avenue that everyone should at least be looking at. Maybe you don't need it right now, but 
you know, need to be thinking about it. Um, you know, there's lots of interesting companies doing, I, I would have a hard time even narrowing down specific companies. I mentioned Haven before, um, they're, they're an interesting one on the, on the sort of shipment management, transportation management side, uh, Clear metal is one that gets talked about a lot in terms of uh, ocean shipping side of things. They're 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 looking at they're ingesting a ton of information uh, about like freight forwarders and shippers and even liner liner shipping companies and trying to help them predict like what their what their future allocate space allocation should be and whether what they're whether they're pricing things correctly. And so this is the kind of thing that machine learning can help a company do in a much better way, just because it's not throwing manpower or, you know, 20 year old systems at things. It's, it's really crunching in a huge amount of historical data to help them make better decisions in the future. Um, so, but I, what I would say is rather than focus, because I think the one overarching thing I always hear from people is, uh, we're still using, you know, a spreadsheet or we're still using X system that's pretty, pretty, you know, mundane or pretty out of date right now. Um, so I want to like drill back and say the thing that the innovation that people should be looking at more than anything is data. So data initiatives. And by that, because we hear big data all the time, let me speak specifically, get more data Get better data. Be sure the data that you have is clean and accurate. If you don't think it is, go to an outside consultant or a third party and ask them if you think the data is clean and accurate. Um, and then figure out how to use the data. And what that data is like oil for all these other systems. All these systems that say they're going to do everything in, in, in the world um, are... You can't. They, they aren't going to do anything for you if your data is crummy or you don't have any data. And so, I, I, you know, the thing that I would advise more than anything is look. You know, look at your data, figure out what you need to do, hire a data scientist if you need to, go go work with a software company if you need to, but don't sit on the sidelines. And the reason I say that is this is an area, as I understand it, that will be very tough to catch up. So if you're buying a piece of software, if you buy one a year from now, it'll be better than it was today. Um, so it's, it's a matter of implementing it. Yes, that's always going to be you know, a headache when you actually do it. But you're not going to lose ground in terms of buying a software piece of software if you wait a year because it'll be better when you actually buy it. But if you wait a year to start collecting data in a really structured way, you're going to miss out on another year of historical data and you're going to miss out on potentially collecting even past years of historical data and maybe outside sources of data, all of which are going to be extremely useful whenever you do buy that piece of software. So um, to me, it's more than like thinking about the coolest innovations. It's like get your data house in order. And if you don't know what that looks like, go find someone who can help you, you know, know what what the what it should look like yeah so that's an interesting point too because data can be used for all sorts of things i mean depending on what business you're in it could be used as a revenue source as well sure. uh, which Absolutely. people don't necessarily take a look at yep um and it can also be used in collaboration 
So even if you're looking at some software, whether to, you know, purchase now or purchase later, if you can get, like you said, your data house in order, it will help you in collaboration with those software and those systems when you decide to, to make that purchase. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I would even go a step further. Like if you think about, you know, I, I called it, I called it oil. Well, oil is super valuable and you can, if you have a lot of oil, you can sell it for money. Um, so if you have data, your data is worth something to someone else. It, if it may be worth some, uh, worth it to a software company, because if you can, if they can get your data, they can build their system better, or they may be able to, you know, aggregate it with other people's data and sell some other service, or you know, infuse that aggregated data into their product. So that's worth something. So you know, once you've gotten it together, don't give it away unless you feel like the offering that you're, you know, you're getting in return for that data is so, you know, impactful from a, from a ROI perspective or from a bottom line perspective. Um, you know, you may be able to sort of like think of data as like a bartering system, you know, where you are working with potential su- supply chain partners and you say, Hey, I really want you to do this for me. I will give you, you know, X or X type of data in exchange for you doing that service for me, because I can't get the budget to pay for it, but I'm happy to give you some, you know, scrubbed sort of data that you can use for whatever you need it for, or maybe to serve me better. Um, so there's all sorts of different interesting ways you can think about data. It's not just about internal usage if it's if it's in good shape. Absolutely. So my next question is. And, and I might change it a little bit because what I want to ask you is which what tech disruptors deserve immediate attention. And you've mentioned a few as we've gone through this conversation. So maybe I should turn it around and ask you, you know, what tech disruptors, and I know you don't like that word, maybe transformation, tech trans, tra- well, no, I, well, no, I think you can, you can think about them as disruptors. I think they shouldn't message themselves as disruptors, but we can talk about them as being disruptive. That's, that's, okay. that's fair. <laughs> so maybe instead of the ones that deserve immediate attention, maybe let's talk about the ones that supply chain leaders and professionals should be wary of. Mm-hmm. You know, in what sector or maybe at what point that the innovation or the company is in its infancy. You know, what should yeah. they be on the lookout for when they are looking at new innovation and maybe even questions that they should be asking to make sure that they're going to be working with somebody that's going to be there a year from now. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, uh, you know, scale is one thing. I think uh, this is, this is something I've thought about quite a bit is like, you know, if you're a startup, um, do you have, do you have the scale in your system to handle uh, the the needs of a large company, or are you a if you're a small startup, are you targeting a you know the SME kind of end of whatever market you're you know wanting to sell to, and, and maybe your your scale matches their scale, and so it's not so much of an issue, but you eventually want to you know work your way up the food chain to the larger companies. So I think in terms of disruption, I don't necessarily think of it in the same way that like maybe some of the startups do, um, they all have, you know, they help a lot of them legitimately think they've hit upon an idea that is going to make a huge dent in the industry. 
and they have got you know venture capital companies that are thinking along the same lines and have found someone that they think can kind of uh, you know execute their uh, their unicorn dreams. Um, I don't think there's a quote unquote Uber in the supply chain. Um, of course, Uber is in freight right now, but I, I mean Uber in kind of like a more abstract term. And by that, I mean, there are so many different facets of global trade and global logistics and even domestic logistics. Um, and there's so many companies out there. There's literally like new ones being founded probably while we're talking right now. Um, but I don't think you as a, as a company that is having to decide which ones are potentially just, you know, uh, disruptive to, to your business. Um, I don't think you have to think about them as think about it as some sort of monolithic thing. It's more, you need to take stock of what your value proposition is and whether technology as a whole, um, can mess with that value proposition. So we hear this a lot in the free forwarding business. Like there are a lot of companies that have set out to say, why do we need this middleman company that is non-asset based, that is just making a margin on the work on my cargo and the conveyance of, you know, my goods on physical assets owned by other companies. Um, Yet there are, you know, half a million freight forwarding, 3PL whatever intermediary term you want to use out there. Um, so there's obviously some value that those businesses bring. Now, what, which of those values um, is re- replicable by a system and which one could be changed by, you know, an AI backed system or, you know, a blockchain, which could be totally taken out of the, out of the um, ballpark by those, by those things. So those, that's, to me, the more interesting question than company X is going to transform, you know, global trade. You know, that's, that's brochure stuff. That's marketing stuff. That's sell yourself to a VC stuff. That's not necessarily what is going to actually wipe away a certain subset of the market. Now, if we're talking about shippers, um, you know, aside from the things that we talked about before where, you know, your, your team – your, your logistics management team is going to kind of fundamentally change depending on what technology you adopt. Um, certainly I think the big, the big, you know, problem to navigate is picking is betting on the wrong horse is picking a system that is not as effective a in the short term as you hope and B is not as revolutionary in the long term as you would like. Um, so, that's tricky. And I really, I don't know, there's lots of consultants out there and there, you know, certainly I, we hope that we are, we're providing guidance when we write articles about this, but it, it, I don't know if anyone really has a, you know, a guidebook for making sure that you're picking the right, um, system, you're betting on the right horse right now. And, and, and it's been further complicated by the fact that you have this whole, you know, telephone book of, established software companies um, that have been building TMS and order management systems and global trade management systems that are, you know, a ton of experience, ton of customers. They know what they're doing. They've been doing this for years. And then you have like, 
you know, an Amazon endless aisle worth of logistics startups that are doing similar things or ancillary things. And it's really difficult to know what the right approach is. So this goes back to what we were talking about before. You almost have to be like constantly thinking about what the right path for your, you know, your company is with, with regard to supply chain. You can't just say, well, we bought a big system. We implemented it over six months. Now it gave us a 5% reduction in transportation costs and we saved one FTE and now things are hunky-dory for the next five years until we look at this again. I mean, you're going to get left in the dust if that's your approach. So I am going to stop that interview right there because this interview with Eric, we had so much to talk about that it went over an hour. And I like to keep the episodes to about 30 to 35 minutes. Um, so we're going to stop part one right there. And next week, we're going to be releasing... Uh, part two of this interview. So make sure that you stay tuned and check out that episode. Um, remember to send me your supply chain stories, send me a review or review the show in your podcast app so other people can find it. Um, but I love to listen, uh, I love to hear from you. So send it to listener at let's talk supply chain.com. Remember to go to ships.com. That's S H I P Z.com to find out more about the supply chain ecosystem that I'm working on. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I love all your love and support. It's always amazing to hear from you. So make sure to send me all your stories, all your reviews. And I hope you have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.